0: All right, welcome back to another episode of A Sides. On this episode, I chatted with lead singer and guitar player from the band Ghosts of Sunset, John Merchant. How you doing?
1: I'm good, man. How are you?
0: I am great. So anyhow, man. So you are you are out of Los Angeles area, right? No. Well,
1: technically, I'm I live in Michigan, and my partner,
0: who's uh, the co
1: he's the co-founder of the band with me. We write all the songs and did the music together. He's in Alaska. Oh, wow. And our label, Golden Robot, has offices in Australia and in Los Angeles. So. Oh, right on. That's kind of you know it's one of these things that in the modern era you're able to pull off a dude you know living in alaska literally on the other side of the country me in michigan and you know we he the todd long uh, my partner he and i have been playing in bands together he's originally from michigan and we've been playing in bands together since oh the late 80s early 90s Oh, okay yeah so we go way back
0: yeah, the press the press release just for some reason led me to believe you guys were out of Los Angeles, but I know right. it referenced a lot of um, a lot of the album and the songs and whatnot being based but on the, the and,
1: and they are all based on the Sunset Strip, kind of that that Los Angeles scene and that West Coast scene of the you know early mid, just into the late '80s. You know the what I guess now people. Are, affectionately called hair metal or you know glam metal whatever that music was but right yeah it's mostly focused on that or at least this album is
0: right on so you were you were from a band called Dutch Henry before right
1: yes yep yep Todd and I both I was uh I was one of the founding members of Dutch Henry and um and I brought Todd in pretty shortly after the band started um and it was that Dutch Henry's more of a Americana, or it, you'll hear people call it alt country, um, you know, right. Roots Rock. I can't, 800 different names for it, but kind of rock and roll, but with a little bit of uh, of country influence as well. So still kind of rock and roll guitars and drums, but maybe a little more singer songwritery on the lyrics and some country flavor in there too. And we did that for, recorded and toured with that band for, I'm guessing 10 years, if not a little longer. Okay. Yeah,
0: and and Todd, he's from. Uh, he was in the Verve Pipe, right? Yeah, at one point.
1: He, yep he's he's played with the Verve Pipe. He played in a band called Molly that was um actually pretty close. Uh, they were on a subsidiary of RCA. They were about you know pretty close to being signed to RCA about the time. Kind of in the I guess looking back now, it was probably the I guess it was the late '90s, early 2000s. When the Verve pipe kind of broke, um, after the Verve pipe kind of broke with the freshmen, they were kind of one of the next couple bands in line uh, from the area to get a record deal, and it just never really solidified. But they were a really great band. Yeah,
0: hmm. I'll have to check them out too then.
1: Yeah, you'll like them if you like, you know, power pop or you know, kind of punky pop stuff. They were. Just a great band. You'd love them. Yeah, they're called Molly, and you can still find their stuff out there. So, yeah, check them out if you can.
0: Right on. Yeah, I, I like some good power pop, man. So. Yeah,
1: me too, dude. Me
0: too. I'll uh, I'll definitely be looking that one up for some. The name sounds familiar, but. Um, yeah. But I think I might but, just be confusing myself with the song Molly. Oh, by uh, Sponge. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, so we have a Sponge connection too. Um, some of the songs on that Dutch Henry on Dutch Henry Second record were produced by Vinnie Dombrowski, who was a singer of Sponge, and we played a lot of shows with Vinnie. Had a side project called the Orbansons. We played shows with them too. So yeah, we're all kind of connected around here, I guess. Right. I'm a huge Sponge fan too. I'm just like I, I love that band.
0: Yeah, I think I've seen them a couple different times live. So. Yeah. Me uh, too. They have some good songs. Yeah. Cool. Cool stuff.
1: So what are you into mostly? Me? Like, I, I hate to put you on the spot, but like what do you listen to Yeah, yourself? I thought well, who's
0: interviewing who who yeah, doing, exactly. man? <laughs> No, that's all right.
1: Been doing
2: this,
0: I was gonna get to that with you anyhow, so hey, you're okay. breaking the ice for me, right?
2: <laughs> hey, right.
0: Um, you know what, I'm into a lot of different stuff. I mean, I I grew up kind of my first I mean my first introduction to music was anything like anybody's right like whatever your parents are listening to and luckily sure. my dad listened to some good stuff and in, in the midst of some bad stuff too but <laughs> uh you know I obviously found my love for like Bruce Springsteen oh. through him and Steve Winwood and some of this some of these Killer, good, man. great things but I first right. got really into music like you know in my teenage years uh when about everybody really, really gets into music. You know, that was like kind of the eighties hair metal sunset oh, good. strip you're just era like thing. Us. So well, yeah, dude,
1: you're yeah. just like us. Yep.
0: I basically was obsessed with Motley Crue for like oh. an entire decade, you know. Dude,
1: I'm right there with you. All that stuff, man. And what's funny is my other you know, I am kinda of like you, I know, like everything and but I'm like a huge Springsteen fan. I love Neil Young and Bob Dylan and the birds and music like that but you know i came up like you did when the kind of explosion of this hair metal stuff happened hey john you're kind of cutting
0: out a little bit man. am i dude yeah i'm
1: sorry i'm probably have moved to a bad portion of the house here. Is this any better for you dude
0: that that is yeah it just seems yeah, like good. it's getting quiet and then loud and yeah quiet. bad
1: bad spot in the house i think
0: okay well i think we're good now so <laughs> good but
1: yeah i'm the same as you all that hair metal stuff you bit me and i probably was as hooked on crew as the next person
0: for sure <laughs> right yeah man i mean that you know that was some great stuff and as much as you know I, I got older and you know your taste doesn't necessarily change but you know you your palate grows i think you know and you right. appreciate a lot of different things so um but i can tell looking obviously you guys worked with a lot of uh, guys on this record that are connected to a lot of the 80s uh hard rock you know yeah. scene i mean you've got tracy guns played on yep. your record uh johnny monaco from enough's enough who is
1: just you know love monaco yeah, and he's... i've been enough's enough fan since you know since day one too i i loved enough's enough when they came out um that original lineup of enough's enough was great and then oh, yeah. when
2: they
1: got when they got monaco in the band you know like anyone else, you're kind of like, if your favorite band loses a member, you know how it is. You're always like, oh, man, you know, it's not the same. But I thought Johnny did a great job in Enough's Enough. And for a while there, he was fronting Enough's Enough. You know, he was singing and playing guitar.
0: Right. And he did and great at that. He
1: sounded killer, didn't he? He <laughs> yeah. sounded killer. Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: he's so, a funny dude, too. I, I mean. I'm... Oh,
1: my God. He's got probably, I think he's got one of the best voices for podcasting and, and because I just, his voice, the way he talks and his quick wit and sense of humor. He's, he's really good at that stuff.
0: Yeah. He's, he's a hilarious guy, man. I, um, I think my, my band played, or maybe I just played like an acoustic thing with him one time and he was just so funny to hang out with. I mean, he was the most hilariously cynical (laughs) guy I've ever, you know what I mean? It's like, he's cynical as fuck, but like something about, like he presents it in such a hilarious way. It's like God, this right? Guy where is... you
1: almost don't think he's cynical, but then you take a second, you're like, wait, this dude is as cynical as the next person. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's. A... Well,
1: it's such a fuck. You know, I mean, you're a musician and you have a band. It's such a weird industry, and it, it changed so much over the last. It seems like the last five, ten years the whole business changed. You know, everything is different. Even how bands are put together and how bands play and how things are recorded. It's just, it's mind blowing. It's nothing like when I was coming up, you know what I mean?
0: Right. No, I know. Uh, And it's, it's really weird too, because sometimes you hear some of these bigger bands that have been around a really long time. And they talk about how in the nineties, how much the music industry changed. And it's like, man, it's just changed in the last 10 years. It's done a complete, flip upside down compared to what it was in the late 90s you know let alone you know
1: the late 80s compared to now (laughs) to
0: the late 80s yeah when it seemed like you know everybody with a can of fucking aqua net could get a record deal judging by some of them but
1: and that's the thing i mean when that scene really burst open you know i mean i was there as a i was there as a music fan you know i was listening to music i was fully engaged i liked the late late seventies, early eighties stuff. But when that LA stuff hit and, and we, for me, you know, it really hit me on uh, on day, I guess it was day three. Was it day two or three of the us festival out in California? It was broadcast and, and they had, you know, quiet riot and Motley were on the bill and it was in 83 and you got to see, I mean, Motley was a club band, you know, they were added. Motley and quiet riot were both kind of at that time club bands that played this huge festival out in California. And it was some of people in middle America like me. It was our first exposure to that stuff, really. And dude, I was, I was hooked. I loved it. You know, I mean, you, I'm sure you can remember, but you know, Motley and that shout at the devil era get up, you know, their their gear that they wore then. And there weren't a lot of bands that looked like that, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. They definitely, they were doing something different back then. For that right. time, back then. I mean, a lot of people now that didn't see. I mean, I'm I'm a little younger, like I was really young when that record came out. So I didn't really get into Motley until that was, you know, I got into him like Dr. Feelgood era, which,
1: which is a great. Yeah, they're probably some would say, you know, that was their zenith, their best, you know, their best when Motley was at their best. Right. You know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a records. Too Fast for Love guy, you know, I yeah. like Too Fast for Love is my favorite
0: record. I was just going to say that that's my favorite with Shout at a close second, you know. I, I mean, agree. Going yeah, back, agree. going back through the catalog, you know, I I remember Dr. Feelgood being such a huge record and everything. Wow. And it sounded so huge. And then yep. being a kid and you go back and you listen to those first couple records and it's like, wow, oh, this is cool. But like, but raw, I was- didn't really grasp it at first, but then once it sunk in, it was like. It's just crazy because over the next few years, those became my favorite two albums, you know? Yep, me too. I think that Too Fast for Love is the one I go back and revisit way more than the others.
1: Don't you think that Too Fast for Love kind of, you know, after all these years, there's something in me that when I listen to Too Fast for Love, it doesn't sound aged, you know? It doesn't sound old or, or, you know, it still sounds kind of current because of that punky energy and, you know, Catchy ass songs and
0: no, super I, raw yeah. production. I agree. I mean, I think that that's what the fact that it wasn't over polished and it just kind of was more of a punk, pop, right. hard rock record, more than just like an 80s glam record, you know, is what made it hold up, it, stand the test of time. It's a
1: killer. It's a killer, man. It's still a killer to this day, man. It's still just a killer record, man.
0: Yeah, I mean if they just it. would've broke up after just that one record, I think Motley Crue would have went down in history as a totally different thing, you know. It would have been more of like a New York dolls kind of right. legend right. type, you know. Yeah, you're
1: right. And that would have right. been
0: great. It, I mean, there's things that they put out since then I obviously really enjoy, but man, I don't know. They You could have
1: built a career off too fast for love you could have made it like you said you could have made a name for a
0: legacy anyhow record. you know
1: yes you're right dude yep you're right
0: but but instead we've we've got you know new tattoo and some of those other albums that i can't stand but
1: you know i, I gotta be honest with you um after feel good i sort of checked out yeah. um but todd is uh you know is a huge, you know, and he, and he's rightly so. The Karabi record's really good.
0: Oh, I love, the, uh, yeah.
1: The Karabi record's really good, and I think, and, you know, everyone says this, all of us say this, but it's like if it had been released as something besides Motley, you know, under another name or whatever, it might have stood a better chance because it, it didn't sound like the Motley we all came up on, you know what I mean?
0: Right. Yeah, that's been the argument, you know, since all of that, went down i mean and it's like who knows you know it could have or i well, mean and
1: grunge was really getting big then too so that was a tough market for someone like Molly crew
0: yeah mm. yeah i mean it's a bummer because that record is the shit i love it and yep. i love the scream record that karabi did oh
1: with uh oh i'm gonna i'm gonna re- forget the name of the the single i remember it was like father mother son or something yeah, like that Yeah,
0: that was like the ballad on there yep. yeah
1: Yep, that was kind of the the one that hit MTV and I remember liking that too.
0: Yeah, that's a great record and, front to back. He was in Union too, wasn't he? I think. Yeah. Karabi was in
1: Union with and Kulik. of course he's been yeah, yeah, yep, he's been in Rat. I know he was in Rat for a while and Yeah, uh, I've seen
0: wait. him in quite a few bands and do, you know he always sounds great live and uh yeah. I I played a show with him. I opened for, for him once doing a little acoustic thing and So Uh, you
1: have a band, are you based, where are you based out of, what city?
0: uh, Peoria, Illinois.
1: Oh yeah, so you're somewhat close to to me up here in Michigan, I'm just in West Michigan up in a little town called Ludington, Michigan, but, so you, what do you, your band down there, do you do openers for these, for like national acts that come through and stuff?
0: Yeah, yeah, we've had a few, and I mean, it seems like a lot of these in this area, well there was one promoter in particular that, that was just bringing in a lot of these '80s, yep, uh, you know, f- bands. And most most of the time, it would be because it's cheaper and they could afford it. It'd be you know like a John Karabi acoustic, uh, oh yeah, sh- solo show or Eric Martin from Mr. Big, yeah, been around here a few times. And you know that's that's another guy that man he's great and he's a super nice guy. You know, I got the chance to meet him. And... Oh, I
1: love Mr. Big. I was a huge Mr. Big fan. Yeah. Loved that band. Because uh, I'm a guitar player, so I remembered Paul Gilbert from, like, Racer X. And then when, when and Billy Sheen from Talis, And, of course, I saw in 86, I saw David Lee Roth live with Billy Sheen, Greg Bissonette, and Steve Vai. Oh, nice. And, yeah, it was killer. So when they were, you know, making Mr. Big and, uh, what was the song? I remember, Addicted to that Rush came out. I was. Oh, yeah. I was I was like, holy cow, you know, who plays like this? You know, well, Billy Sheen and Paul Gilbert do. You know? yeah, yeah, huge fan. Eric Martin's playing. I know Eric Martin's been doing some stuff with P.J. Farley, too.
0: Yeah, they're supposed to be – well, they were supposed to be playing around here uh, a month ago or maybe this month. I, I don't really remember. Everything's been shifted around so much. Right. I think it got moved to – Maybe next spring. I'm not really sure the date on it, but I know it got moved. God, but... That
1: sucks. That sucks so bad. So, what about is your band still active now? Do you still do you still have a full band down there? Yeah,
0: you do. And and what do
1: you guys do? I, I can... know I'm interviewing you, but
0: <laughs> I know I don't know we're how casual, this got turned man. around. But we're
1: casually talking, bro. I just want to know your story too. So, I always try. You...
0: I always try to not talk about my band on you? here because I feel like I'd be some sort of asshole that started yeah, right. a like I started a podcast just to. Pimp just my to own. Pimp your own band? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I asked, so it's not your fault. I okay.
0: Have... Well, then hopefully, you know, people will let me slide. but... Um...
1: Yeah. No, it's, I'll totally take the blame for it, dude. I but, promise.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of a, it's kind of a solo thing. Cause I, you know, it's, I mean, I have a band in, it's just called Brent Stortsum and the Valentines. Okay. Um, Cause I, I pretty much write the songs, bring them to the band, and, you know, yep. we play them. I mean, it's, and I just, Tom Petty's one of my favorites, and so I kind of intentionally, I, I thought I thought the Valentines kind of had the same kind of ring to it's, it as the Heartbreakers. The Heartbreakers,
1: which yeah. is a killer, man. Yeah. It's and great. I
0: couldn't do the Heartbreakers again because I figured, well, Tom Petty already had the Heartbreakers. Johnny Thunders had the Heartbreakers. Like, how many fucking Heartbreakers can you have? So <laughs>
1: exactly. So yeah, and I just you don't want people showing up to the gig looking for you know Mike Campbell and Ben Hunt. <laughs> <Monttanch> and- <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. You know. I mean, my band, you know, they're good players, but they might be disappointed if they walk in and it's, you know, it's those yeah, guys right. and not Mike Campbell, but not the Heartbreakers. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so.
1: Is it music like that? Is it? You is know it what?
0: It's yeah. I mean, it's just straightforward rock and roll. That's, I think, about what I have the voice for, and that's about it. Yeah. And I don't. I don't really think like I never listen to my stuff and say, hey, this sounds like, uh, right. Tom Petty. But I've had people tell me that. Um, that they think it has a Tom Petty vibe, a lot of it. So it's like, okay, well, whatever. And I'm not going to argue with other people.
1: And, you know, dude, I think, you know, and, and I could be wrong, I probably am, but I think when you're writing music, if it doesn't sound like those things that you like, then something's weird about it, you know? You're not being your true self because I think right. if you really, you know, if you really are into something, it becomes a part of you. And when you start, taking parts of you and putting them out there in the world, some of that's going to come along with it, you know? Yeah. So, you know what it's like over, you know, there've been people, and of course you don't want to be so derivative that you're, you know, you're literally rewriting, you know, hey, check out my new album and it's damn the torpedoes or something. Right. But <laughs> but you want people to be able to go, hey man, I can hear, you know, this, this and this, and and, and rightly so. You know, even with the Ghost of Sunset, this first single, you know, we've had some people go, you know, I hear some enough's enough in there. And it's like, well, of course you do. That's that's in my DNA. That's if I'm going to think about, you know, hard rock with melodic edge to it and harmonies and and song structure, then, uh, of course, enough's enough's going to be in there because they had all of those elements that Chip and Donnie had gotten from the beatles and the beach boys and the stones and you know whoever came before right and so i think that's kind of cool and that's sort of what this ghost of sunset thing you know when we started this we made a conscious effort man it was it was really an homage and a tip of the hat and some respect to that scene because you know as a fan of of 80s rock and roll or hair metal or whatever you want to call it, we've all listened to people, you know, make fun of that music, right? Make a mockery. And of course, dude, we all know at times the clothes were crazy, right? Or oh, yeah. it, in hindsight, maybe it looks a little funny, but you can't deny, you couldn't deny the songs. I mean, you don't sell platinum upon platinum records of crap. You know what I mean? There's got to be songs.
2: Right. And
1: you you can't deny you know that's why the concept of of the ghost of sunset album the ep rather is that moving out west the uh, the how much guts it took to be in your hometown and go hey man i'm gonna leave peoria or i'm gonna leave you know michigan i'm going to california i'm bringing my guitar and my amp and a bag of clothes i'm selling everything else And I'm going to take my songs out there and I'm going to do something with them. And I think that takes an awful lot of guts, man.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, most of them went out there with
1: nothing. With nothing. And, and you know, poison, you know, comes from what Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania or something. And they go out to California where there's, I don't want to say a, well, you know, there's a million bands out there and a lot of them are, are building up that glitter rock of the seventies. Uh, the glam stuff and poison goes out there and and makes it you know on sheer will alone man they go out there and they work so it wasn't all just eyeliner and and poofy hair and you know spandex a lot of it was people who had the guts to go i'm going for it and i'm gonna put i'm all in you know i'm going all in on it and i still think that deserves respect from any genre of music whether you're whether you love you know jazz or you love classic rock and roll or country or whatever it is, you can't deny the guts of the men and women who who went out to Los Angeles in the '80s to stake a claim and grab onto some of you know some of the pot of gold that was at the end of that rainbow. And and I you know we have a ton of respect for that. And as much as I like you know as much as I like a band like Steel Panther, right? you know, fun, funny stuff, and it's cool, and, you know, there's nothing parody about what we do uh, when we're talking about this kind of music, because we respect it and love it. It's it's as much a part of my DNA, you know, I would say Too Fast for Love is as much in my DNA as Born to Run. Right. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, I know exactly what you mean, because you might have just summed up, (laughs) you might have just summed me up just in one sentence, I don't know.
1: Right, man, because... I liked you know, I like what you know, I like how the how Bruce Springsteen can paint a picture, right? And oh, yeah. and you know, put me on the boardwalk or put me, you know I've got, you know, I've got the uh you know, the brother from State Patrolman or or any of those things, you know, I could be there. Well Motley Crue did that too, just they took me somewhere else. Like I could feel the sleaze and I could feel the chicks and, the drugs and the fast cars and the late nights. And, you know, it's no different. It's just, if you have the ability to take the listener to the place you want to take them, I think that's, those are good songs, you know? Oh
2: yeah.
1: And, and I think they deserve respect. And, and I think it had been, and I I don't know for sure, but I really, in my comings and goings, I don't know that I'd really heard a musical artist really pay respectful homage to that scene and that's what we wanted to do with headed west with the EP is just really recognize just what it takes and what that what that scene was like you know it's why behind the music was so popular you know right. cuz we want to see what it was like i wasn't out there you know i was you know and and todd did todd packed up his drums and went out to la he he went out and did that yeah. um you know, I, I hung back, and I would say some of it is because I just simply didn't have the guts. I was a, I came up as a, a kid with, a, I was really poor, but I so it was always have a backup plan, you know, have a backup plan, have a backup plan. Well, if you go out to Los Angeles, California, with a handful of songs and your guitar amp, that's not a place for backup plans because the the guy who's in the in the band you're you know you're competing with. Doesn't have a backup plan, so he's willing to do anything to make it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So.
0: Yeah, and backup plans usually—that's just another word for you know a plan. <laughs> like that's the plan. <laughs> you know, if you're planning a backup right. plan, then you're probably putting more effort into that than the the thing that you supposedly want really that's badly. the and,
1: truth. Yep, that's the truth, and that's what these these you know artists did and who went out there or, or anywhere, you know, it wasn't just Los Angeles, you know, New York had a great scene. There were scenes all over, but the real, I think the real, you know, the real focus for a long time, like you said, anyone with a can of Aquanet was getting a deal. Um, I think Los Angeles and the Sunset Strip was for a moment and not just in, you know, not just in the eighties, you got to remember the sixties when you had the doors and the Buffalo Springfield and, you know, um, going back even to Dean Martin, Sammy Davis, Frank Sinatra. I mean, that, that's an area, a hotbed of, of music, you know, and always has been. And, and I think it's, it definitely deserves the respect that we're trying to give it, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think as far as the, you know, the, going back to the comment about anyone with a can of Aquanet getting a, a record deal. I think, you know, that's just like pretty much every era of music. Once right. this new thing comes out and yep. s- sells really well, well then they just start signing yeah. everything that sounds like that. The mm-hmm. market gets oversaturated and it just kind of loses its cool because you're, you know, you're signing all these posers. Some of them, you know? right. <laughs> some no, of you're them, right. some of them go out and dress like that because that's what everybody else is doing and they just want to be somebody and... I think by yeah. the end of the 80s, there were a lot of really bad, shitty hair bands, you know, and I think there that's, were. And I think that's why a lot of these bands like Rat or Motley Crue or some of the ones that were a little bit more legit and they were there at the beginning and they weren't posers. They were the real fucking deal. They some of them you hear interviews with them and they kind of take insult if you call them a hair band, you know. Right. And so I kind of I get it, though. I mean, but shit by the end of the 90s every band sounded like corn so right right like
1: you said if you had a can of aquanet you got a record deal then all of a sudden it was like if you had a flannel shirt you got a record deal right and then it was like if you have a a, you know seven string guitars and a dude scratching records you got a record deal (laughs) and then if you were a a girl a female artist with an acoustic guitar and you kind of sounded like a little kid when you sang you got a record (laughs) deal and i mean yeah. It's, I think it's just a cycle, man. You know, I I mean, you think about if you go back in your music history, per se, and you go, OK, we had, you know, the British invasion. We had the Beatles come over here. But, you know, then came, you know, the Dave Clark Five and Hermits Hermits and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and then by the end of it, you've got bands who are literally just ripping the Beatles off. You know, they're all in matching suits. They're all kind of having these poppy three minute songs. And, you know, it must just be how the industry is designed, you know, kind of feeds. It's so circular that I think it starts and then eventually it catches its own tail. You know what I mean? So by the time that happens, it's usually an indication that we're moving on to whatever the next thing might be. And I think if you really, you know, if you really are an artist and you really it's in your DNA, like we were talking about, it's really a part of you you can avoid those things you know you can have those flavors like you know your songs can can have that tom petty flavor but they're also going to have something tom petty didn't have and that's too fast for love right. you know i'm sure at no point and i could be wrong rest his soul but i can't imagine tom petty going i've really used the influence i got from too fast for love for you know wildflowers all <laughs> <laughs> right but that's what makes like you different is you have petty and you have too fast for love or, you know, that's, that's how the whole thing keeps going. I think, you know, I mean, and for us, this, and I'll be honest with you, there were years in my musical career, there were years where I kind of played down, I played down the hair metal, you know what I mean? I played, and and I don't know a better word for it than hair metal. Um, I use that just as a catchphrase. So people know exactly what I'm talking about. But I played that down. It was almost like there was a, a little time frame where all of a sudden you really couldn't, you know, if you even mentioned that, you kind of had to chuckle. Like, oh, yeah, I was into whatever it might be. You know, whatever band. A Pretty Boy Floyd. I like Pretty Boy Floyd. Ha,
0: ha, ha. Right.
1: And then somewhere you mature enough to go, no, I, there was nothing funny about it. I enjoy that music. You know, I wasn't... At no point did I own a record and go, Oh, I, I'm having this cut. You know, I have this album because it's funny. I had it because I thought the songs were cool or the look was cool or the vibe was cool or the playing was cool. You know, there was something there for me or I wouldn't have wasted my time on it. Right. And, um, and that's when we, Todd and I really did, I think with Ghosts of sunset, it was an opportunity for us to come full circle to pay some, some true homage to that, that era and to let the you know the people who played on the record, Tracy Guns and Johnny Monaco's and Stacey Blades, and really let those people know that hey, we're coming to you because we respect your work, we respect your talent. We re- you know, you don't have someone play guitar on your record because their hair is cool. You have them play guitar on your record because you know they're going to play for the song. They're going to put something in there that's going to take it to the you know, it's going to move it down the road. And, um, and this has really been a chance to do that. And it's been... it's So far, you know, I mean, we are we just released a single. You know, we're kind of ramping up on everything. But it's really been fun, and it's been a cool chance to see just how many people have those exact same things you and I have. You know, they have that Too Fast for Love memory, or they have that Enough's Enough memory, or they have... For me, I couldn't... I mean, I just couldn't get enough of it. You know, I mean, I'm talking... It would be, you know, your Motleys and Rats and uh, poisons and Great Whites and all. But, well, you know, then it was Pretty Boy Floyd and I loved, you know, Faster Pussycat and L.A. Guns oh, yeah. and Guns N' Roses and, you know, I I I bought, you know, I bought records that gave me something, and and all of those artists I mentioned and so many more gave me something, you know, and what it was was truly a soundtrack to that era of my life, you know? I mean, I can remember driving in whatever year it was, you know, 1988, listening to, like, Too Fast for Love, and and, and now here I am, a grown man, you know, with a wife and a kid and a, a house, and, and I can still put on Too Fast for Love in the car, and I'm, boom, I'm 17 again, you know? Right. And, God, what more, I don't know what more I can ask for from music. It's given me so much. What, what, you know, other than make me young again, I guess. And it kind of does that. (laughs) Well, that shit's, most of it's fun.
0: I mean, that's one thing that no one can really argue with that music is like. Right. It's not necessarily funny. Some of it, it, there are bands that are bad enough to where it's maybe kind of funny, but. Sure. But man, I mean, it's fun music, even the stuff that's not as cheesy as Poison and not as glammy or, you know, like. right. I mean there's some of it i still go back and listen to all this stuff like i'll just i'll see a cd sitting on my shelf and oh shit i forgot about that throw that in the yep. car and i'm like god damn this still rocks yeah you know
1: yeah and, and how how cool is that i mean you know I, I bought too fast for love and and i keep referencing that but i could even go to like the first pussycat album, first oh, yeah. pussycat album. you know i bought that record and I thought, I mean, I can remember listening to it so much that, you know, the cassette did the business because I just was wearing it thin. Yeah. And I remember thinking, damn, this is just kick-ass, gritty, guitar-driven rock and roll. It sounds like the Stones and the Faces a little bit, but, it, you know, the guys look cool and the songs are snotty and punky. And and then I listen now, and that album still does the same thing for me. You know, it's still great. The guitars are rocking. Tammy's voice is cool, and it's Faster Pussycat, you know? and Or it's L.A. Guns, or it's, you know, that music is, and besides the fact that if, if, you know, then you start talking sales numbers, I wasn't the only one who felt like that, you know? I wasn't the only one on earth who felt that way because these albums at one time were really, I mean, think about Feel Good. Oh, yeah. God damn, everybody must have had that album, you know? Yeah. And... And so that's really what Todd and I set out to do with this ghost of sunset thing is, is really say that, Hey, this is not, this didn't just provide us joy as young, young people, young, you know, young guys. It's still, it's us paying an homage to it, recognizing the entire story of of what it took to do that. And, how much more, you know, we have been making records now, Todd and I, for, you know, 30 years. And and we've yet to really have that opportunity to use all those skills we got from listening to those albums. You know, what the guitars sound like, how the drums work, what the song structures like. You know, you break down even, you know, the glammiest of these glam songs, and I can still hear the sweet. And I can hear Mata Hoople, and I can hear... Slade, obviously Slade, you know, Quiet Riot, you know, yeah, two Slade covers. Right. Um, I can hear Bowie. And and I, I find it amazing that people are always quick to, you know, you know how many people in today are going to cite Bowie as an influence or Lou Reed or the Ramones or, you know, any of that stuff. It's all cool to say that. Yeah. And yeah, I, I still know people who, who all they can talk about is just how cool you know, Rod Stewart and the faces are and Ronnie Wood and the faces and, and, and they go, oh, I don't, I wouldn't listen to, you know, Faster Pussycat. Well, dude, if you claim to like the faces and you can't like Faster Pussycat, you're not listening with your ears. You're listening with your eyes. Right. And David Bowie, are you going to tell me that Ziggy Stardust wasn't as glittery and glammy as, you know, theater of pain? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the same thing. It just at some point it became cool to like one thing, but not cool to like this other thing. And and in my mind, and it just seems like bullshit to me. You know, it that you said it. It seems like posers. You know, posers are going to go. Huh, I'm into you know this avant garde thing, but I would never listen to this because it's too mainstream. Well, yeah. you you must have listened to it at some point because you know Motley Crue were had. Every every song except, what, two were singles off Feel Good. Yeah. You know, it's just...
0: Well, I had somebody bust my balls. There was an early episode of this podcast where I had made the the reference to uh, Hysteria, Def Leppard's uh, Hysteria. And I was talking about how all of a sudden now it's not cool to like that record. It's, you know, it's cool to bitch about how overproduced it is and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I just... My argument was shut the fuck up. You're lying. You owned it back in the day. You loved it. Now that saying something is overproduced is cool. Now you got a fucking problem with it. Right. Because back then I don't think anybody was saying, you know, oh, this is overproduced. I think people were probably saying, holy shit, this is really fucking badass. I mean, I was, but I was a kid. Like, so I'm not going to let, I'm not going to say that my opinion means shit. Right. Right. So, because I was young and I I probably liked a lot of stuff that wasn't good, but
1: well, and you know what I was, you know, by that time, by hysteria time, we were already starting in our, in our bands to start making records. And I can tell you, you know, unequivocally the backup vocals in, on an album like hysteria, seemed like they were from outer space. I just couldn't figure out how, you know, how, they could make them so lush and rich. And so I learned, you know, I learned this making records and stacking harmonies and how to put guitars together. You know, an album like Hysteria was like a a lesson book on how to make uh, a lush sounding record. And right. the people who bitch about Hysteria, dude, are the ones who who are going to tell you how much they love Queen. I love Queen, but I hate Hysteria. Queen albums are stacked vocals, multiple harmony guitars, different po- So, again, it be- it comes into that thing where, well, it's okay to like one thing, but it's not cool to like this other thing. Right. And, and, you know, was Hysteria produced? Yes. Was it overproduced? Not if that was, if the goal you were looking for was to write songs that had, you know, more hooks than a tackle box, I'd say you did it. So how can it be overproduced? It it served exactly the purpose they wanted. Yeah. You and know,
0: and half the rec over half the record was singles. And singles, dude. And can you they believe sold that? how many fucking copies? Oh. I, I don't even want to know. I you know. Well
1: and and the other thing is, you know, when they're they're, you know, making that record, they had set real goals for themselves, you know. That's a, a Def Leppard's a great example of a, of the work ethic of some of these bands, you know. Right. Yeah, I'm sure We've all heard the behind-the-music stories about Def Leppard and what happened under the stage and all the girls and all that. Um, but what people don't talk about is the amount of effort it goes into to make an album like Hysteria. And and, and you know I love punk rock too. You know wow. I love I love everything Motorhead and and the oh, Pistols yeah. and the Ramones and you know I love punk rock. But a lot of times that's your excuse for not putting the work in. You know close enough for rock and roll or oh yeah, but it's supposed to be raw and. T- an album can be raw, an album can be, you know, have chunky, gritty dirt to it, and you still can hear the effort of the people who who played it, you know? Right. You hear how the two guitars work um, in a band like, and again, I I reference like Faster Pussycat. Those two guitars are working together to make these songs pop and make them happen, and those are, that's a record that's made by people who obviously, Put some effort into it, you know. They went, "Hey, let's put a vocal here and let's pan this guitar over here and let's let's have the drums do this and the breakdown will do this and you know, I, it just again, you talk about true posers. It's the people who are gonna run down an album like Hysteria. It's you know, it's the generation of people who still, you know, and of course, I'm not as big of a fan now, but like a band like Kiss, you mm-hmm. know." When I was coming up as a kid in the you know, late seventies and early eighties, there were dividing lines, you know. Some people saw kiss were just for little kids almost because they had dolls and lunch boxes and whatever else they could put their name on. But you can't deny the fact that, you know, your grandma can get can go, Ah, wanna rock and roll all night party every day you know. Right. You just can't deny it. You can't deny the start of When pour some sugar on me Come You a You're in a bar And you hear the start Of pour some sugar on me
0: And every girl and Wants the to dance, take her top off
1: <laughs> Every girl wants to Take her top off right. And you know what If you're gonna write songs With a purpose They can be You know The purpose can be Saving the rainforest They can be Highlighting the blight Of the American farmer They can be Pointing out Racial injustice Or they can make girls Want to take their shirts off right. it, as long as they accomplish what they're set up... I don't think Leopard went, hey, man, we should write Pour Some Sugar on Me, and and really, I think that's going to really you know, shine a spotlight on the plight of the snowy owl and its extinction. <laughs> you know, They went, man, let's write Pour Some Sugar on Me and get these chicks dancing, man. Right. And they nailed it. Oh, and yeah. they always do. They always do. They're Def Leopard, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah I always like Molly bringing that album thing. up because of that. I mean, it's such a funny thing to argue I think. Oh. And it's not even my favorite album by them. I no, mean, mine neither. But I would, you know, still say High and Dry and Pyromania probably High and Dry well, I'd like probably a little bit more than Pyromania, but you know. Pyromania was
1: really was for me, you know, I when that album came out and it was so I mean it's so funny now we talk about hysteria how big hysteria was and almost forget how big Pyromania was. I was I mean,
0: say, it was pretty big and it was a big sounding M- record too.
1: Oh, great sounding. MTV was just coming out. You know, they really fit in well there. They had, I mean, again, it's just, you can't deny songs. You can make fun of people's hair. You can make fun of their clothes. You can make fun of the interviews and and face it, a lot of the, the artists of that era would give these interviews and, and they'd sound like dumbasses, right? They'd all sound like airheaded all they cared about was sex drugs and chicks and blah 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 and 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 that was kind of how they needed to present themselves. But you can't deny songs. You just can't do it. They're either they either do what they set out to do or they don't. And the music of that era, a lot of that music did exactly what it set out to do, be it make an arena full of people, scream, you know, whatever it might be, you know, hey or, you know, (laughs) whatever it did those things and the ballads were good you know i thought all the a lot of the power ballads and again there was a formula we know that we know that once someone hit with something they went all right man we're going to get that rocker out first then we'll hit the power ballad then we'll hit you know another rocker and i mean that's that's the business's fault that's not the artist's fault the artist wrote a power ballad and some rockers and whatever they felt like writing and and then bands got I mean, we lost Janie Lane. We've straight up lost a incredibly talented human being because of this business, because of what this business will do to you. You know, it'll go, hey, man, we got to have a song like Love in an Elevator. Right. And Janie Lane will bring you back Cherry Pie. I mean, just that alone is a testament to the man's talent. His ability, a, a record label or some suit says, hey, man, we want something like Love in an Elevator. He comes back and gives them cherry pie. They build an entire campaign around it, and it ends up killing a man because because no one could see the artist behind that one song. Right. You know, and you know Todd and I. Todd is a huge Janie Lane fan too. Were he alive today, why couldn't some country artist redo? You know, I saw red or heaven or sometimes she cries. All those ballads. I could take any of those ballads, I could give them to, I don't know, Jason Aldean or Eric Church or one of the newer country guys, and have that guy take an electric guitar out, put a fiddle in, maybe put a pedal steel in there somewhere, keep the guitars pretty much the same, and now you're at the top of the country charts with I Saw Red.
0: Right. You know, it's just... That's a great song, so... It's
1: a great song, dude, I can't and, see
0: why you'd be wrong. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right. To be with you is, is a great, and they were ballads more than words. I mean, yeah, there I'm were a telling lot of ballads you.
0: from back then. I mean, oh my
1: God, there were. Well, in our first single, you know, miles in between is is a ballad. It's a power ballad. There's no doubt about it. Right. But sometimes that format conveys, you know, the the ballad conveys a certain emotion that if you were banging banging out a rocker, you know, three chords, three power chords, and you know heavy duty drums, you can't get that emotion across. The power ballad going back in my mind to you know dream on and um, you know all those kind of the ballad is just that. It's, a, it's introspective. it should be that way. And the only thing that happened was the industry started determining when they were released or whatever, or what the video looked like or, and, and people deny how good the song was you can't deny it. And it, it you want to tell me that, you know, to be with you by Mr. Big is a cheesy love ballad. And oh, it's so. well, then how come you can sing the chorus?
0: <laughs> right.
1: If it's so stupid, how come you can sing the chorus to it?
0: You know, it's um, a great goddamn song.
1: It's because it's a <laughs> great goddamn song. Exactly. And, and that's why, that's why born to run is a great song. That's why, you know, Hotel California is a great. Great songs are great songs are great songs. Unfortunately for us, for guys like me, like you, like Todd, like the, uh, all of us, the fans of this certain genre of music, we were almost driven underground because people failed to recognize songs and and even me, like I said, there was an era in my life where I kind of fell away from it, right? I fell away from music I loved because I was a little embarrassed, you know? I was embarrassed sometimes that, I don't know, that Chris Holmes was drinking himself to death in a swimming pool in full leathers. I mean, that's, as an adult, that's a little embarrassing. Or,
0: uh, yeah, it's a rough scene. <laughs> you know,
1: some of the, you know, some of the, you know, some of the people in that film in Decline of the Western Civilization, you know, some of those guys sound pretty silly, you know? Right. they. But at the time, when this dude said, no, I'm going to make it, and, you know, you're like, well, fuck, I never heard of that guy again. Well, the real reason is, at that time, he didn't have a plan B, dude. It was, he was going to make it. Because if he didn't, he had nothing else. Right. And that's the commitment that we're kind of recognizing, paying homage to, throwing respect to with with Ghost of Sunset, with the first EP, with Headed West. It's about that scene, about that era, about that time. And about, you know, the men and women who went out and did it, you know, it's a lot easier to go, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to go to junior college for two years and then I'm going to go to school. Right. And then it's another thing to go, mom and dad, uh, instead of going to college, I think I want to travel around Europe for a while. All right, great. Now go, mom and dad, I'm dropping out of high school and I'm going to California. And my, my friends and I, we wrote this song. It's called Talk Dirty to Me. Remember, you hear it in the basement. We think that's good enough to stand up against everything on the radio. Well, of course, your parents are going
0: to go. You're <laughs> fucking crazy, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, my parents would have lost their <laughs> fucking minds, but
1: dude, of course, of course, and there were plenty of parents, I'm sure, who lost their minds, and, and I yeah. thought I
0: was going to do that for a while till <sighs> uh, reality hit. But <laughs> well, <laughs> I reality, think everybody had that dream at some point, right?
1: You couldn't, you couldn't be a part of that scene as a fan especially if you were a fan and a musician it was even worse for you then but even as a fan I mean I could only imagine I'm in a small town in Michigan and I'm thinking dude if I were out in California right now I wouldn't be sitting in you know I wouldn't be watching Headbangers Ball. I'd be on the strip I'd be at the Rainbow I'd be you know playing the whiskey and I'd be doing this and I'd be doing that and you know it's Tuesday night here at home and there's nothing going on no one's hanging out or cruising at our little ovals that we cruise around. If I were in LA, man, the scene would be jumping off. I would, I would never be bored, but I might be dead too. You know what (laughs) I mean? I might be dead too. There's always that. So, yeah. And, and that's, that's, what's great about it, man. That's what's great for, for Todd and I and, and everyone involved in this ghost of sunset project. It's a labor of love because I make no mistake. I will tell you how much I love Springsteen and and Graham Parsons and the Birds and the Flying Burrito Brothers and Merle Haggard and, you know, all of that.
0: It's all good stuff, too.
1: But you know what? When I was at the perfect age, I was 16, 17, 18, um, you know, even younger than that. You know, I had the perfect mix of teenage hormones and rock and roll in my blood and I had a foundation that was built on the Beatles and the Stones and and 70s radio and so when I heard that music come out of LA and it had it somehow synthesized all those things for me I I mean I was in I was in as far as I could get and you know I was more than willing at a point in my life you know when I would be I had my denim jacket that had you know faster pussycat on the back and said it ain't easy being sleazy and you know what man if you were into the dead milkman at the time and we had to you know it was going to come to blows I i was willing to fight for the first faster pussycat record you know
2: right
1: now as a as a fully formed adult i can appreciate both of those things i can appreciate all of it i can appreciate i can tell you how much i like duran duran how much I like Simple Minds and Psychedelic Furs and Culture Club and as much, no, not as much, but in the same breath as Pretty Boy Floyd, L.A. Guns, Faster Pussycat, Great White, White Lion, White Snake, other bands with white in their name. (laughs) Um, But all of that. And, And that's been a gift just to be able to somehow share that with other people like like us you know you find your tribe you find you get here I am on my phone talking to you about something that we both love and you and I have never met in person right you know
0: yeah and it's super refreshing because I'm definitely more of a rock guy and more into this stuff than a lot of the stuff I've had to talk about on the last like (laughs) eight episodes I've done and that's nothing against any of the people that I've, I've talked to they were all really nice people and stuff but you know some of it was just country music that was the kind of country music I'm really not into, you know? And right. And so, and then they kind of didn't seem really interested in doing anything more than talking about their new single and new yeah. album and getting the hell off the phone. And <laughs> so this well, has you know, been well, a way more it, enjoyable conversation.
1: I can, I can always go on and on about it because it is, it's just, again, this style of music, man, has given me stuff that I, I could never pay it back, you know, to have a guy like Tracy guns or, you know, Johnny Monaco or Brian, Brian from, um, kicks, you know, um, Tim Moser from junkyard, you know, it's just those guys, you know, it's hard for me to convey to them just how much they've given me, but they have, you know, the, the joy I got out of this stuff and it was the soundtrack to my life. And I don't think it's dated music. I don't think it's, you know, I'm I'm in my music room right now and I'm looking at Cheap Trick's greatest hits. And, you know, everybody loves Cheap Trick. And, you know, Cheap Trick is an American treasure. And But so is, you know, so is Hanoli Rocks, you know. Oh, yeah. All that music. So it's uh, this Ghost of Sunset band, you know, and Todd and I, there will be live stuff coming up once we get through this you know, crazy time in our industry. Um, but we're gonna, you know, we're going to keep doing it and we're going to keep flying this flag, I think, because, you know, more and more people have to recognize that there were, there was a time in our musical history where people just gave, gave up everything and went single vision out to, you know, the promised land from their respective little towns and and went, dude, I'm going to try this. And, and you know, more failed than not, that's for sure. The ones who made it through did so because they had songs. They had, you know, and you could write a good song back then, but you still had to deliver it. You still had to look good. If you were a guitar player in one of those bands, you had to not just be a guitar You had to rap. I mean, you had to be really, really good. You weren't going to get by just, you
0: know, noodling around on a solo. You had to
1: kick ass because, you know,
0: you had that was the era of the guitar player for sure, man. Yeah, well,
1: <laughs> it was a,
0: it was an era of you know where, you know, and that's what kind of hurt a
1: guy like me about when grunge came. And I liked a lot of grunge stuff too. I wasn't a huge fan. Um, probably I held a vendetta against them because they took some of my bands away. You know, some of my bands all of a sudden. Like were struggling for careers because this new thing came. But when I saw these bands live and they weren't doing anything and they were standing there and, you know, shoegazing and all that, I I had come up when rock and roll. If I went to a show, even in a club, you know, you were going to get your money's worth every time they were going to give me, you couldn't just, you could rip on the guitar, but you had to be able to move around and put on a show while you were doing that. Right. And, and, how can you not respect that, you know? And you can say it was silly and it was, you know, it was David Lee Roth jumping off drum risers and everybody bounding into the air. Go watch three hours of Bruce Springsteen live. Watch 75, Bruce Springsteen live. He's All putting right. out every every bit of energy that, you know, Brett Michaels did in 1986,
0: 87. It's just... He still puts out what he can at this age, you know what I mean? So,
1: And it's more than most people can, you know? You right. have to remember... You have to remember that and a lot of those guys you know we uh todd and i have had an opportunity to open for a lot of these these bands on in recent tours you know we've done stuff with uh with lynch mob and pussycat and quiet riot you know um which is really a a blessing for for us you know with frankie's passing is was such tragic news and and uh, yeah. it's funny when when you grow up on this music and you love it as much as we do, and you lose someone like Frankie, or you lose a, a Kevin Dubrow, or Janie Lane, you know, it's like you lost someone you knew, you know, and it, it hurts. Yeah. And um, we've seen all these bands, you know, when we played shows with them, and they're still out there, and they're still they're still doing it. And I don't care if there's three hundred people in a bar, or five thousand people, or ten thousand, or whatever it is. When um you know when the opening drum fill to Metal Health comes, the whole you can feel the whole room lift up. Or you know we played with Lynch Mob, and when they started the the first chords to Wicked Sensation, you know, mm-hmm. it's like that's that's something that you know is uh, I'll never take for granted. I'm you know I'm not a young man by any stretch of the imagination. I like to think I got a lot ahead of me, but um it's just. Yeah. It was time for us to really recognize what sacrifices, what guts, what talent that era of music had. And that's what that's what headed west and and Ghost of Sunset is all about. And that's uh, that's not throwback. That's not it's just rock and roll. Um, the story of the EP is certainly about that what we'll call hair metal for lack of a term. I hope we come up with a new term someday.
0: Um <laughs> I'll try to think of one. I'll try to be
1: the yeah, one to if you do, will you let me know and I'll start using it. Maybe you and I can launch it. Yeah. <laughs> the
0: bear claim of fame.
1: But that's that's what it is, man. And and for so far my experience and Todd's experience, even in the early stages of promoting this thing, is we talk to people who love music just like we do. You know? Right. And that's all if you and I were sitting in a coffee shop and you happened to be wearing a leopard shirt or, you know, I was at the drive through at some fast food restaurant the other day. There's a guy in a truck next to me, and he is blasting the trooper by Iron Maiden. Nice. And I look over at him, and he looks at me, and I give him the thumbs up or maybe the horns, you know, and he flies them back. And I thought, I could probably spend at least 30 minutes talking to that, dude, because we both love Iron Maiden right you know so it's been a blessing dude it's it's fun it's there's a lot to come um you know golden robot has been a great label they get it they totally get they love the music the same way we do you know tracy guns still loves it out
0: didn't they put out la guns last record or they
1: put out la guns uh is coming out they just la guns has a, a new single right now, I think it's Renegades, is out right now on Golden Robot. Okay. You know, they've got, um, so they've got LA Guns, they're doing stuff with Phil X and the Drills. I love Phil X. He's, he's um, playing guitar in Jovi right now And uh, since Richard Sambora left. um, So to get with Golden Robot for us and have people understand and come from that era and treat that you know, they've got Gilby Clark on Golden Robot. I love Gilby. Gilby's rock and roll, man. He's a rock and roll musician. Um, so there's a lot of great artists at Golden Robot and for us to find a home there with people who support what we do. Um, it, you know, to say the sky's the limit, you know, sounds sort of silly, but you know, we've got a lot of songs left in us, a lot of shows, a lot of stories to tell, you know, there's riffs in there. There's, and there's we give something, I think that you don't get every day. And that's the experience. We we were there. We, we lived it. It's like, just like you, it's in our DNA. So I could probably write a, a country song that, you know, maybe they would go, Hey, you got to write something that sounds like Florida, Georgia line, but somewhere in there you go. Hmm. That one part sounds a little bit like too fast for love. You know, right. that's just how it is. So it's been cool, man. And talking to someone like you and getting an opportunity to share it with the world is, is all we can ask for. So what a huge service you're doing to, you know, you're giving back to a community that has given you something and given me something. So I really appreciate you, man.
0: Yeah, man, I appreciate you calling in and chatting, you know, I mean, that's really the reason I do this is just to try to hopefully find conversations with people that I have this much in common with and can, you know, just have a real conversation and, uh, and I, I just enjoy anybody that's that passionate about what they're doing or even if they're just not even a musician and they're passionate about listening to music, you know, this whole podcast started off. It was just me and my buddy reviewing albums, talking about albums and I'd like to get back to doing that. There's been a lot more of these interviews lately And uh, which all kind of started with the the uh, whole pandemic hitting and we kind of socially distanced ourselves for X amount of time, started doing these interviews. And then he decided that he didn't want to, you know, be part of the podcast anymore, uh, not having time, whatever.
1: Um, Adult life gets in the way. Yeah, sometimes it it does, man. And,
0: you know, it's it's hard to make it a priority. I got I'm kind of a man with many hobbies. I'm into a lot of things. Not Maybe not a lot of things, but a few things. And anytime I do have something, I take it really fucking seriously, you know? So Yeah, I, right on. I don't look at this as I can miss a week and just say, oh, I can go one week without posting a new episode. It's like, I don't care if only 20 people are going to listen to it. I feel like I have to have that new episode up every week, even, you know, even if it's one that might fly under the radar. Nobody digs right. it. It just I don't Well, know, the but...
1: thing is, dude, you have to do it because you've connected with people who share a passion with you and, you know, you think, well, it's 20 people. Well, imagine if one person out of those 20 is going, hey, man, this week is just shit. Everything sucks. But at least I know there's a new episode coming out. And for an hour of my day or whatever it is, I'm going to listen to that. And, you know, I'm going to think about I'm going to remember those things. I'm going to think critically about those things. And I'm going to listen to somebody who has a passion about something that isn't divisive. You know, at no point in our conversation today have we run down another musical genre or another musical artist or went, well, you know, everything except 80s hair metal sucks. You know, it's not that Um, the world has enough of that. The world has enough of what I like is good and what you like sucks. There's enough of that. But right. what you're doing for people is talking passionately about something you care about. And like you, it could be 20 people. There could be one person there who's like, if I can just get to that new episode, I will spend an hour of the day listening to that and I can slug it out the the other 23 hours of the day. So right. you're doing a huge service to people just like me, dude. And I, I can't thank you enough for it.
0: Well, I'm hoping I'm hoping it does that that much good. You know, it will. If it not, will, then it's can't. just me, you know right kind of jacking and let's around be honest, having fun we were gonna talk
1: about it anyhow I yeah mean,
0: gonna... i mean <laughs> if there wasn't a microphone recording all of this it still would have been a good conversation it'd so. still
1: be the same and yeah like i said if we were standing in line at the coffee shop right now we'd be saying the same damn thing
0: <laughs> right yeah, yeah so, well i appreciate your time i really do dude yeah man thanks for talking um so just before we get off here uh when does headed west the full ep come out because right now you guys just have
1: we have miles in between which is the first single
0: right and who is there a guest playing on that
1: That's johnny monaco
0: okay i actually johnny thought so johnny
1: (laughs) johnny was in um like we had said earlier he was in enough's enough he did some time in la Guns too has several he has solo music out he has some bands in the chicago area he's he's done that are all great because he's just a great musician He's a real um, power poppy, got that sensibility. Um, so, this first one is is Johnny. And on drums, on Miles in Between, is um, Kent Slutcher from uh, Luke Bryan's band. He's a drummer in Luke Bryan's band, oh, okay. country singer Luke Bryan. Yeah. And then in October, we'll have another single come out um, on Golden Robot again. The second single will be released. The EP, the full EP, doesn't have a release date yet, um, but I would suspect sometime later this year we'll see the full EP out and that is a concept album so that really is every song moves this story of a fictional band that moves from you know from their little town out to LA to make it and you know kind of what happens during that journey and how they end up back to really back to the start which is just making music because you love it and you know you hear people talk about some of these bands and go man how could whatever band go from playing arenas and having a tour bus to being in a van and playing this bar in my hometown. Well, I can tell you how that happens. It's because they love it. Right. They love it. And they probably tried, you know, there's, I'm sure there's musicians who have went, all right, I'm done with this. No more heartbreak for me. No more. I'm not investing myself in this. I'm going to go do this other thing, whatever it might be. And they always come back because if you truly have this and you love it, you're not going to outrun it. You know, I know I can't. Right. I know I can't. You can't. Like oh, you I've, said, I just got to do another episode, you know?
0: Right. I've, I've quit playing music like eight times, and it lasts about, I don't know, five days each time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to do. It's easy to give up because, you know, the world is littered. My high school was littered. You know, Christmas would come in. Every dude would have a guitar. Everybody. Right. And they were all going to be Eddie Van Halen. And then the next week... There's a few less and a few less and a few less. And before you know it, you're the only one standing there with a guitar. And you know, Eddie Van Halen. And yet, yeah, all I can do is try to get better on the thing. And then I do something I couldn't do last week. And the thing would tell me, see what happens. If you stick with me, man, I'll give you more of this. And I got so addicted to it, I just wanted more and more and more. And I've been addicted to other stuff too. And it wasn't nearly as good, I can tell you that. And it wasn't <laughs> nearly as productive. So. Right. Yeah, we've been we've been having a good time, and I hope everybody gets an opportunity to at least give you know give the first single a listen, purchase, download. You know, we live in a time where a lot of stuff is based on well, how many likes do you have, or how many followers do you have, or how many downloads do you have, and and you know, as an artist, you kind of fight the urge to beg like, oh please download and like and share and blah 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 blah. blah. But really, all I want people to do is listen to the song and if they dig it i'd like them to keep digging it if right. they don't they can move on to the next thing there's other stuff out there but if you have any inclination toward this style of music um this is this project's uh it, sorry my phone's beeping but it's uh it's custom made for you if if, if this is if you're like you or me um this is this will be a good spot for you for sure
0: right on man well hey i hope that uh I hope we're all back to playing live and oh, God, doing dude. some normal shit that bands do and hopefully yeah. my band and your band can maybe Wouldn't hook it, up, dude. play a show together.
1: Listen and and certainly uh, make sure you get me, you know, links, everything to uh, to your your music and your projects and you yeah, know. Man, if I'll you're text ever, you after we get off here. Yeah, we're close enough in, you know, geographical location that we can certainly uh, i'd love to have you up in this area play some gigs um there's always room for for great music up here so yeah stay connected okay
0: will do man thanks again all for right. calling in and i uh, wish you luck with everything
1: hey i appreciate your time brother Take all time. right Keep john we'll talk to you later on all right brent thanks man
0: thank you right, bye-bye. Bye.